Hello and welcome to Suspense from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. One man's war is another man's history lesson. Yet it is only 44 years ago this Indian summer that the war before the last set Europe afire. To today's missile-minded men in uniform, it was a quaint war, which began with bravado cavalry charges and ended in the sickening, senseless stalemate of the trenches. But to the fighting man of 1914, it was real. Its bullets killed, its shrapnel tore the flesh, its grenades disemboweled. And whatever else it may have failed to accomplish, that First World War inspired some of the century's best literature, an example of which you are about to hear. One of the most provocative short stories of World War I. Listen, listen then as Herbert Marshall stars in The Man Who Won the War. The Man Who Won the War, starring Herbert Marshall. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I first set foot upon this Flemish beach. I returned here tonight under a sort of compulsion, like a criminal returning to the scene of his crime. But I am no criminal, and what I did here ten years ago was no crime. But oh, I'm so tired of forever staying, and of forever being disbelieved. Good enough. Huh? Huh? What? Who's that? He's right. You're not back, sir. Did I not see you at dinner tonight? At the inn in the village? Oh, yes, yes, I'm staying there. And I. I believe we are the only two guests. Won't you sit down? This driftwood log should be big enough for two. Thank you. You are English, Mr. Uh... Oh, yes, excuse me. Uh, Bradman's the name, Roger Bradman. Yes, I'm English. And you, I take it, uh, you're German. That's right, Mr. Bradman. Ten years ago, we were at each other's throats. Yeah. And for what? What, indeed. If I may say so, Mr. Bradman, it seems strange to find an Englishman in a channel watering place in October. Yes, I suppose it does. Midsummer of the time we flocked to the beaches. But then you, uh... We don't find any Germans on the Belgian coast these days, at any time of the year. Oh, we are not exactly welcome here. And no wonder, after what we did to this country. It could have been worse. Did it? You might have won the war instead of losing it, here on this beach ten years ago. What? Ten years ago tonight on this beach. That's when you lost the war. I know because I'm the man who won the war. That is a most extravagant statement. Oh, I'm well aware of it. No one has ever believed it. No one. But it's true. Perhaps I would believe it. Would you? I might, if I knew the details. Well, you wouldn't be interested. No one is. I am very much interested. I can't for the life of me see why. Believe me, Herr Bradman, 
I would like very much to hear your story. Very well. You see, when the war began, our station commander would destroy a fire drake to catch the Admiral Hood's battle forces, North Sea Patrol. On the night of October the 28th, 1914, the fire drake was cruising up the Belgian coast to join the main fleet. We had taken aboard some extra shells and ammunition at Plymouth, along with several cases of Scotch whiskey, since the fleet was looking forward to extended action. And I'm afraid those cases were uppermost in our mind that night as we sat around the wardroom after dinner. I say, Commander, what brand of whiskey did ship's supplies put aboard? No, I didn't think of looking. I did. Cameron Highlander, it said on the boxes. And a very bonny bro, too. That uh, wouldn't be a hint, would it, Mr. Gilliam? Oh, no, sir. But it is nippy on deck tonight. <laughs> Do you concur, Mr. Ainsley? Yes, indeed, sir. The wind's got a bite to it. And could catch himself a nasty cold out there tonight. Very well, you scoundrel. Hopper. Aye, sir. Go down to the storeroom and break out a bottle of that whiskey we took aboard this afternoon. Aye, sir. Any news on the fighting front in Flanders, sir? What there is is all bad. Our forces have a handful in the center. On the right, the French are just barely holding. But the real danger is right off there, the starboard. How's that, sir? The left flank, the Belgian sector. Von Cook's third army is pressing hard. If he breaks through the Belgian line, you can write off France. The Kaiser will be in Paris in a week. Ah, here's Hopper with our weed drop. You needn't have bought the whole case, Hopper. Oh, I wanted you to see it, sir. I opened four of them, and the contents are all the same. Yes, I was right. It says Cameron Highlander on the box. Yeah, yes, sir, but the contents are not Cameron Highlander whiskey. They're Cameron Highlander uniforms. What? Uh, yes, sir. See, here's the kilt and the gangaries and the sporran. Where's the whiskey? Well, as near as I can make out, there ain't any, sir. But what I say is that them boxes contain nearly 200 Scotch Islander uniforms. <laughs> I'm afraid this will be a dry voice, gentlemen. So what shall I do with these boxes, sir? We'll stow them out of the way until we make port again. Arthur, where's the speaking tube, sir? Acknowledge, will you please, Mr. Gilliam? Yes, sir. Now, what kind of trouble do you suppose Twiddles run into? Coming along easily? Might as well. Can't bring Kilt and Glen Gary. Freshening up a bit. Aye, she'll be on the beam ends the whole morning. Yes, Mr. Twiddle. Don't you want to see this, sir? Well... Look, there on our starboard quarter, tiny light. Yes, I see it. Yeah, take a look through the night glasses. Flashing on and off. That's right. And according to my reckoning, we're off the mouth of the Isa River. Now, if you look at this chart, you'll see that there are no lighthouses along this stretch of coast. Yet there is a flashing light where no light ought to be. Perhaps it's a signal of some sort, sir. Undoubtedly, but who? Well, the Germans can't have advanced so far. How can you be sure, Mr. Ainsley? Wait a minute. That light's flashing a message in Morse code. Huh? G-R-O-G. G-R-O-G. Quartermaster. Aye, sir. Change course to 110. Change course to 110, aye, sir. I'm steering 110. What are you going to do, sir? Take a closer look. But, sir, this might be a trap. Yes, it might. But don't you recognize the code word, grog, Mr. Tweddle? No, sir. 
You were never a midshipman in the Royal Navy, were you, Mr. Federal? No, sir. My apprenticeship was in the merchant service. Then, of course, grog wouldn't mean anything to you. I don't understand, sir. Well, Mr. Twettle, G-R-O-G is a midshipman's joke. It means good rum on goose days. Well, I don't understand, sir. When is goose day? That's the joke, Mr. Twettle. Goose day never comes. In juvenile, I admit, but fascinating this esoteric when you're 14 years old. Why would anybody be sending a midshipman code word from the coast of Belgium in the middle of a war? That, Mr. Ainsley, is what we're going to find out. Be good enough to check off a landing party. Aye, sir. Number two power launch. We shall go ashore in ten minutes. But, Captain... You have your orders, Mr. Ainsley. Oh, aye, sir. You... You can't be serious, Captain. I am, Mr. Twiddle. But this might be a trap. We have no way of knowing whether the Germans have advanced beyond this point or not. Yes, it might be a trap. Or it might be some poor beggar trying to escape the advance. It's worth looking into. But suppose it is a trap. Now, don't you worry, Mr. Twiddle. I'm not asking you to go ashore. I'm leading the landing party myself. It is not a matter of fear, sir. Naturally. One of caution. Of course. How speed ahead? How speed ahead, sir? The fleet orders clearly state. I'm quite aware of the contents of the fleet orders. And they state that elements of the Royal Navy are to give all possible aid and assistance to shore positions. They also limit such aid to ships of the class of the Mercy and the Seventh. Very true, Mr. Tweddle. We'll stretch the limits of that portion of the order a little, shall we? Furthermore, we are under specific orders to rendezvous with the flagship at dawn. Then we may be a little late. Sir, I protest... Mr. Tweddle, apparently things are different on the merchant service. But in his Majesty's fighting ships, an executive officer does not protest to his commander. You will heave to and drop anchor. If I have not returned within an hour, you will proceed to the fleet rendezvous. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Carry on. We're about half a mile down the beach from the light now, sir. Very well. Swing her in shore. Aye, sir. That's right. It's getting dimmer and dimmer. Over here with your pocket torch. Battery's running out. All right, men. Your attention, please. Aye, sir, sir. When we hit the beach, we'll spread out ten feet apart and proceed toward that light. Keep well down and walk with the utmost quiet. If you encounter a sentry, try to knock him out before he challenges you. Use your arms only as a last resort. They're not here to get into a battle. They're only to investigate that light. We should be engaged by the enemy. I will fire three rapid shots as a signal to return to the boat. Hopper and Surgeon will remain with the boat. And Hopper. Yes, sir. If we have to retreat in a hurry, wait until the last possible moment before you shove off. Yes, sir. Any questions? No, sir. All very clear, sir. I'll break this old lads for coming into the surf. Now, men, over the side and hold your rifles high. With a hundred yards from where he landed, we encountered a lone sentry. He's a cheap poor beggar. And so she figured no one would be around the sand meetings in the middle of the night, he's undoubtedly done in. He was sitting on a log, and he'd taken off his boots, buried his aching feet in the cool sand. I'm afraid he wasn't a very fearful example of the German military machine that night. For with no trouble at all, Mr. Ainsley and I crept up on him. 
You got him bound and gagged before he was quite awake. There we are. I don't think he'll give us any trouble now, sir. I should think not. Now, my friend, Dryden T. Roy wants in and there to meet the Passeron. We'll take him along the same place. All right, sir. Margaret. Huh? Put on this fellow's spiked helmet and remain at his post. If a relief sentry appears, take care of him. But no shooting unless absolutely necessary. Yes, sir. Let's get a move on, then. And here's one of my officers, Lieutenant Ainsley. And uh, who is this bound and gagged? Oh, an enemy sentry will be picked up on the way. You can have him. Thank you. We saw your light from the ship. Whatever made you flash the word grog? Ah, I thought a Royal Navy man might respond more quickly to grog than S.O.S. It was an inspiration, but where did you learn it? Oh, yeah, I used to sail in the regattas at Cowes when I was younger. Uh, one of my best friends was Albert Hollister. He was a midshipman in those days. Percy Hollister. You know him well. Ah. He's striper now. Young officer on the repulse. Now, we can go into that another time. What's the reason for your signal, Major? Simply this, Commander. We are in trouble. Serious trouble. Hmm. We have been pushed back day after day until our men are completely exhausted. Our orders are to make a stand here, at the Isère River, long enough to give the sappers time to blow the dikes. Once the dikes are broken, the river should stop the enemy. How long will it take to blow the dikes? We must hold the line until sundown. Roughly 18 hours. And you can't do that? I seriously doubt it, Commander. Mm. We have appealed to your army for help, but it is completely engaged on our right and can send us no reinforcements. The French are too far south, and they have their hands full, too. Now, it was my suggestion that tonight start meeting to seek help from the sea. That is our last chance. Well, what do you want us to do? Stand by us and bring your guns to bear on the enemy's advance. But we're only a destroyer, Major. We haven't enough firepower to do any good whatsoever. And we haven't the range for offshore bombardment. Uh, yeah, well, then we are finished. So is the war. There's nothing between Van Kluck and Paris but us. I'm sorry, Major. Écoutez, they're starting the barrage early this morning. I suppose they know this is the last day. 
This stood there listening to the angry boom of the big guns. Each man alone with his hopeless thoughts. My gaze wandered as a hapless German sentry lying where we had dumped him in the sand. His eyes were wide open with fear. And he looked like a schoolboy victim of some upper-class ragging. His bare legs protruding, skin away from his rolled-up trousers. Bare legs? Mr. Ainsley. Sir. The kilt. The kilt, sir? Yes, you can put a company of Cameron Highlanders into the Belgian lines. I'm sorry, sir. I don't quite follow. Major, we can help you. Oh, it's a long, long shot, but it might work. What might work? Come on, sir. Somebody made a botch back in Plymouth and loaded us with cases of Scotch uniforms instead of Scotch whiskey. There are nearly 200 complete uniforms of the first Cameron Highlanders aboard. Yes, but I, I don't... We'll give them to you. Put them on the company of your men. Let them show themselves in the front line when the attack begins this morning. And perhaps, perhaps, the Germans will think the British have rushed in a crack division to reinforce them. Yes. Yes, it might work. We can let you have a few Lewis guns, too. But there won't be much help unless the uniforms do the trick. Well, it is, as you say, a long shot, but let's try it. Very well. Mr. Ainsley? Sir. Go back to the ship at once and fetch those cases of uniforms and four cases of Lewis guns and ammunition. Aye, aye, sir. I'll remain here with the Major and help him to get his men lined up. And Ainsley? Sir? Should Mr. Tweddle inquire, you might tell him I'll be detained a little while longer, winning the war. Aye, aye, to tell you the flagship has been trying to reach you on the wireless. What do they want? Uh, Mr. Tweddle didn't say, sir. No, they'll have to wait till the business is finished. Uh, Mr. Tweddle said he'd reply, sir. Oh, very well, then. Well, Commander, that's the last of them. A thousand thanks, sir. Not at all. Scott killed the precious little use to a ship full of sailors. But they made the return for you this morning. I feel sure they will. Well, we must be on our way less than an hour till daybreak. Goodbye, Major. Goodbye, Commander. You must uh, look me up after the war. Always reach me at the Navy Club in James's Square. Thank you, sir. I'll do that. Au revoir. Au revoir, Major. A uh, bon chance and all that sort of thing. Well, Mr. Treadle, I think we can get underway now. Finished with your visit to Shaw, sir. It's just your social call, Mr. Tweddle. I think it may have been of some help to our allies this morning. Of course, sir. The uh, flagship's been trying to reach you, sir. Oh, yes, Mr. Ainsley said something. I signaled them that you'd gone ashore. Oh, you did? That must have intrigued them. Well, I shouldn't say they were pleased. I just received this reply from them. Mm -hmm. 
As senior officer present aboard, you are ordered to take command of fire grade and proceed to peak rendezvous immediately. Well, that's a neat double cost, Mr. Settle. I'm sorry, Mr. Bradman, but my responsibility is to the ship on which I serve. Yes, I can see that it is. However, since you are once more aboard... Oh, no, 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 Mr. Settle. You have your orders from the flag. Follow them. Meddling rule book sailor. It captured while it met with an unnecessary embarrassment for me. But I had no doubt that my explanation of the night's work would fully satisfy the Admiral. So let Mr. Treadle have his little moment of triumphant command. I stood out of the starboard bridge wing as it pulled away from the Belgian coast. And through my binoculars in the gray dawn, I thought I saw the flashing red and yellow of the Cameron flag as the last day of the first battle of Flanders began. As I expected, the Admiral made a thorough investigation of the matter. And a few days later, I faced him in his quarters aboard the flagship. Commander Bradman, your little adventure of a few nights ago involved some very serious breaches of discipline. You disposed of war material without authorization. You left your ship without authorization. You deliberately violated the fleet orders regarding assistance to land forces. And I managed to stop the German advance dead in its tracks. We know that the German advance has been stopped, Commander. But it was stopped by opening the dikes of the Isar River. The plan which has been part of the Belgian and French grand strategy for years. Sir, the dikes would never have been opened if the Belgian line hadn't held that last day of the battle. And they held because the German attack was slowed down. And it was slowed down because the Germans thought the Belgians were reinforced by the first Cameron Highlanders. I have given your story the benefit of every doubt, Commander. I've even queried the Belgian general's staff to try to substantiate it. I have the reply. They have no record of any unit being outfitted in Highlanders' uniform. This was not a general staff matter. It was on a regimental level. I may say there is even some doubt on the part of the members of your crew whether or not the men who received the uniforms were Belgians. What? Yes. Mr. Twiddle, Mr. Twiddle, that meddling fool from the cargo That's ship. That's enough, Commander. It is the decision of the Fleet Inquiry Board that you be relieved of your command, placed in iron, and be returned to house to face court martial. Well, that's about all there is to tell, Herr Bexley. The court martial at house sustained the Board of Inquiry's decision, and I spent the rest of the war in prison. Afterwards, I naturally had to leave England. And wherever I went, sooner or later, Vancouver, Singapore, Melbourne, the story, their story, followed me. Sooner or later, some ex-Navy men would turn up who recognized me, and I would have to move on. And that's the way it's been since. Moving. Moving, always moving. Until at last I was compelled to return to this very spot where it all happened. Why, I don't know. I know. You do? Yes. To find someone who believes you are the man who won the war. Do you believe it? Yes. You see, I too have been compelled to return here tonight. You? Why? Because I am the man who lost the war. What? Yes. I am the German sentry 
you found asleep at his post. Thanks.